Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Cassie Goodman. Cassie is an author, talent activator and leadership coach who specialises in empowering leaders to level up their inner game so they can make the difference that they want to make in the world. We're going to be discussing the tricky business of authentic leadership and what can get in the way of leaders supporting their people through challenging life events. Cass, welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm very excited to be here. And I'm very excited to be talking to you. So firstly, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. So I often say that my career kind of took me further and further up the supply chain because my career started in customer experience innovation. I spent eight years with General Electric here in Australia and in Europe, doing a whole bunch of Lean Six Sigma stuff, always trying to continuously improve the customer experience. I then realized that the employee experience has a lot to do with customer outcomes and customer experience. And so my career took me into employee experience and I was a global director of employee experience and well-being at Boopa, which was a great role. I had accountability in that role for activating Boopa's purpose, longer, healthier, happier lives for their 86,000 people around the world, which is a challenging and exciting role. Uh, and then today, uh, I'm really focused on innovating and transforming the inner experience leaders have at work, because I've realized it's the inner experience leaders have that has such a big ripple effect to employee experiences and then customer experiences. So that's a little bit of a overview of my career so far. And today, yeah, so I have a portfolio career. Uh, I coach leaders. I've written a couple of books. I've just started my own podcast. I'm a part-time talent activator for a recruitment company called Think Talent. I'm also an executive coach and facilitator for Thrive Global. So, and I run workshops for organizations. So I've got a whole lot of different plates spinning and I and I love all of it. Cassie, that is amazing. How do you even get all of that done in a, in a day or a working week? Um, it's a, an elaborate blend. <laughs> yeah. There's so much here that I want to delve into. Obviously, at Drew, as you know, we do uh, support employees through life events, but we are supporting taking the employee-centric view of how do we help employees go through these uh, common yet complex life transitions, which are often messy, often perceived to be career-limiting through their working career, and they have the option of adding in their manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we support managers, we're really just telling them operationally what to do, when, how, and why. So what I'd love to look at is how do you think organizations can support their leaders to support their people better? Mm, that's such a great question, Rebecca. How can organizations support their leaders to support their people better? I mean, there's there's so much more, I think, generally speaking, organizations could be doing to support leaders. I think what we know for sure is now is one of the most challenging times to be a leader. 
right? There's just, there's so much challenge putting aside, you know, the ever-changing context, uh, the landscape in terms um, the economic and financial pressures so many organisations and families are under, the mental health um, aspects, um, these big global crises that really, you know, make us feel um it feels so heavy and so hard to contribute to when you look at environmental or war or um, all of these big macro events also. It's a really difficult time. And so I think what I would suggest um, or what I would offer up there is organisations supporting leaders with what I describe as the inner work of leadership. You know, um, I believe all the technical tools in the world aren't going to be enough to create really inspiring um, leadership, right? To be an inspiring leader is really about being yourself. And um, I believe that the qualities of leadership are innate in all of us, but we kind of have to learn how to get out of our own way to really activate our own unique way of leading. And, And when we figure out how to get out of our own way. And we do that inner work of leadership. We're able kind of to step into this very unique, powerful uh, way of being and way of leading. And it and it's this kind of authenticity and, and imperfection in a way is what people crave the most. You know, they want human leaders mm. who can have real conversations, human leaders who have done that inner work so that they can sit in challenging conversations um, conversations where there might be big emotions at play and to hold the space for those conversations and to stay curious and open and compassionate and connected um, and all the things that we want from our leaders. So I think organisations need to give leaders that space, that support, that opportunity for reflection and connection and honest sharing. Um, you know, these are some of the things that come to mind, which I see that, you know, organisations leaders in organizations are often so time pressed you know they run from meeting to meeting to meeting from week to week to week I wake up and it's Christmas and and I think what just happened to that year I mean I've been there right so the more organizations create that space for leaders to do the self-reflection to have the honest conversations to get to know themselves to understand the sort of leader um, they're, they're each individual leader to do the inner work to understand what sort of leader do they want to be, who do they choose to be, and how can they be that sort of person more often. You know, that's what we need, the space, the time, and the support to do more of, in my opinion. There's so much here that I would, would love to unpack. So the first thing that really comes to mind is asking leaders to do the inner work. It sounds like there has a huge impact um, on themselves in terms of their ability to show up and deliver in their role, but also that ripple effect on the people that they are managing. Yes. But asking people to do the inner work feels quite vulnerable because mm. showing up authentically without your mask on and all of the other things that we put on to, each, to show up in this world, particularly when we're it's talking about life events, because life events at work are challenging. Yes, they're common, they're complex, they're messy, but they're often perceived to be career limiting. And in many cases they have been. So, you know, is that one of the best steps that leaders show up authentically and they do the inner work because that starts that ripple effect onwards? How do you shift the culture 
to mm-hmm. get leaders to start that process? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's it's not a fast process, right? But I think a few things come to mind as you're talking there, Rebecca. The first thing is leaders have to go first, yeah. right? It's no good saying. You could say a million times it's safe to bring your whole self to work. You could literally say that at the start of every meeting, at the start of every day, at the start of every one-on-one, and those words are empty nothingness unless <laughs> you're going first as a leader, unless your people see you bringing in all of yourself, embracing all parts of yourself, the messy parts, the struggling parts, um, unless your people see you showing up authentically and imperfectly, mm-hmm. then those words are meaningless. Um, and so I think the first thing is leaders finding the courage to go first and um, showing more of their humanity, being a little bit more open, of course, within the boundaries of what's what's appropriate. And I've, I've led big teams. I've been a senior executive. I'm not talking here about spilling your guts at every team meeting. I'm talking about being open of, about the fact you don't have all the answers because none of us do that you've never done it before because none of us have right of um being open you've done it before your everyone's experience is unique and individual right but we've never done it before now like yeah. in this context yeah. no yeah. one's ever navigated the challenges we're navigating oh, today yeah. in this moment yeah. in this context because the context hasn't existed before so yeah. yes Yes. So, you know, it's it that that is, I suppose, vulnerability is courage to say, you know what, I'm doing my very best here to figure this out. Can we figure this out together? Um, and I want you to give me feedback on how I could be better, how I could be showing up better as your leader, supporting you better, empowering you better. What are my sharp edges? What what are my blind spots? And really genuinely be curious about that. And I often joke that in most of the organizations, at least uh, that, uh, that most of us work in, in more of an office kind of white collar environment, that the biggest safety hazards in workplaces today are the leaders, right? The sharp edges of the leaders, and so I think leaders going first in terms of understanding their sharp edges, being able to embrace all parts of themselves so that they give other people permission to do the same is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I think, um, and yeah, I think ho- holding space for difficult conversations is probably the next skill. You know, mm. I think there's this beautiful saying that says we are the seed and not the husk, right? To your point, Rebecca, we have all these layers of husk, all these kind of self-protective layers that build up. You might call it mask, you might call it armour, but there's these layers of self-protection. Um, and the more we find spaces where we can be brave enough just to shed a few layers of that self-protection, that 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 mask or armor that says there's nothing to see here everything is okay I've got on my SHIT together when actually inside it's a different story so whatever those what I would call brave spaces are um, they might sometimes those brave spaces might be you know one-on-one with a coach or in, in different sort of formats or settings where people can speak honestly about the experience they're having because as a as a coach Often when I ask people at the end of a coaching session, what's been most valuable for you today? Most often the answer is just the chance to speak honestly 
about what's going on for me inside of me to speak honestly about my inner world without any fear of repercussion or judgment. That's, that's what's missing at all levels, I think. So however that's possible to create that space for honest, brave conversations about what's going on inside of us, because, you know, from I coach from CEO down to team leader and I can tell you we've all got stuff, right? We've yeah, all got these, you know, these voices inside of us that push us and pull us in so many directions. We, we've got so many ways that we hold ourselves back and second guess ourselves and, and kind of manufacture this suffering inside of us, mm. but, but we're not talking about it enough in, in my opinion. Yeah. And for that to happen in work, you know, I, I love that concept of, you know, you, we, we, we want you to bring your whole self to work. And I always think, you know, often I see people go, well, we want you to bring your whole self to work. But the moment something in life is happening and it gets a bit sticky and tricky and awkward, we kind of don't want, you know, just leave that bit at home. It's like, and now we can't because we, you know, like the way we're working, as you're saying, everything is, we're doing it everything for the first time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that element of psychological safety, right? So in if we look at um, leaders, and, you know, and trying to create psychologically safe environments and workplaces. And we're starting from that leadership position. What do you think does get in the way of leaders finding the courage to have those challenging conversations and yeah. you help them? Yeah, I mean, there's so much that gets in the way, right? And and when we look at the qualities of human nature, when, when you look at, you know, our very best characteristics or virtues of humankind we know that courage is one of them you know at our core we are all courageous compassionate creative playful connected Mm. present calm clear beings that's who we all are at our core and the modality I use in my coaching is a modality called internal family systems therapy that that talks about a core self where all these beautiful qualities reside. These are the qualities of leadership. Um, So we have them at our core and then we have all these different parts of ourselves. Um, And it's these parts of ourselves that can block access to these qualities of our core. So I'll give you an example. Um, You know, what can block access to my courage is this part of me that I call little misachiever. So little misachiever, I think was a layer of myself that formed probably between the ages of five or 10 because of volatility in my household when I was a little girl and my dad's work-related stress. I did what all little girls do and I figured that dad's stress and suffering was because of me. Like I made it all about me, that that, that somehow I I was not enough or too much or something and that if I could just fix me, then everything would be okay. You know, dad would be okay. There'd be more peace in the house. And so... I kind of transform myself in what I describe into what I now describe as a high achieving, low maintenance machine. And that's a part of me, the part little misachiever who believes she can achieve her way to worthiness. <laughs> that yeah. there's an elusive uh, future destination I call Worthyville, that if she just works hard enough and collects enough gold stars, that she's finally going to get there. Now, of course, and low maintenance in the process. <laughs> and be low maintenance. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> don't be needy. Don't cause any way. Make it really easy for get yourself. It, collect these gold stars and everything okay right so she's a very familiar part of me um 
she I, I think pulls me away from my my courage because it's all about the gold stars. It's all about the status. It's very much a striving, proving energy that she brings when she's activated. And I can feel her. Not long, long ago, I was doing a pitch for a big, very big client. And when Little Miss Achiever gets in the driver's seat, she tends to use words, fancy words to sound smart. And I found myself in this very important pitch using the word provocateur and I said it with a French accent <laughs> and I was like OMG I just said provocateur with a French accent and then I'm thinking I don't even know what that means I'm really like I can't believe I just said that and, and so this is an example where I get hijacked but well, we all get hijacked by these parts and you know this part of me is not doesn't have the depth of courage that I have now because there's so much at stake of her of winning the deal getting the gold star she's not really going to be courageous she's going to do whatever the hell it takes for people to say yes and give her something that she thinks is somehow reflective of of how valuable she is in that case do whatever you take do whatever it takes to win that deal because that deal signifies that you've got value in the world. Yeah. And so that's a, a quite an elaborate answer, but but these parts of ourselves basically block access to our courage. Mm. So we are like walking, breathing, babushka dolls. We all have many parts. And the in, in essence, the inner game of leadership in my modality, in my experience, in my practice is about understanding who we are at our core having a really deep appreciation and trust in the incredible depth of courage that we have inside of us that we have available to us is this kind of innate deep well of courage it's there and also having awareness of the parts of ourselves often these late younger layers of self that can jump in the driver's seat and tell us things like you can't handle this this is too hard if you have this conversation there's too much at stake you've not done this before um, if you engage in this hard conversation they're going to finally figure out that you've got no freaking idea what you're doing this is the bubble's going to burst here this is a this is a moment when they figure out you're making this up and you shouldn't have this job you know, all these thoughts that we have. And I know CEOs who have these thoughts. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's this um, regulation and leadership of these parts of ourselves so that we can have this dual awareness of our inner worlds and be able to say, no, it's okay, sweetheart. I know you're afraid. I know we've not actually had this conversation about menopause or, you know, caring for elderly parents or the death of a, you know, gosh, a loved one. Uh, the inner sense of, I know we've not done this before. I know you're nervous. I know this is scary, but we can do this. We can have this conversation. We can hold this space. We can stay connected to our compassion and we can figure out what to do here. Like it's this dual lens of the inner self-leadership with the, the presence and focus on other that allows us to stay in these tricky, tricky conversations. Yeah. At what point do you think, because that's, I mean, that's an amazing insight, right? You you know that that's what, you know, what is impacting your ability um, and has a direct impact on the, how you show up in the world and, and your ability to deliver and achieve outcomes. How, if, if, you know, if there's another leader listening, how, um, at what point do they start thinking now's the right time for me to do something about this? Or what's the one thing that they can do to make a genuine impact in terms of the duty of care that they have to the people? So it's kind of two pronged. At what point should a leader start this in a, in a game? 
and then you know what what's really the impact that they can have if they do this Mm. it's insight to start this whole piece of inner work because actually even if you're not speaking this externally it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to actually start looking inwards and go courage yeah what's happened over my past x number of years or lifetime to date Mm. that's brought me here and what's playing out and impacting which most people are completely unaware of yeah this is a thing and you know often I've, I've actually um I did a keynote once at a professional services firm and the CEO pulled me aside before I went on. He said, Cassie, promise me not ev- that everyone's not going to want to become dolphin trainers after your talk. <laughs> like if you've got a bunch of dolphin trainers in a professional services firm, man, you need to look at your recruitment process too. <laughs> so there's a- I can help you with that. I can tell yeah, you that. Yes, you Let's talk. Yeah, so there's this fear that, well, if I look within well, there's a couple of fears that I often encounter. If I look within, I'm going to chuck it all in and become a yoga instructor or a dolphin trainer. How the heck am I going to pay my mortgage? That's the first fear. That generally does not happen. Generally speaking, when we look within, we we realize that we we normally within the right sort of territory of our work, but that we can we just want to feel differently. We we want to have a different inner experience at work. Um, so so it's not necessarily going to result in a radical career shift. It might over the long term, but generally not in the short term. So that's the first fear. The second fear is this can of worms fear that, um, you know, something along the lines of coaching clients say to me within the first session when they realize we're going to go deep, they say something like, oh, wait a minute, lady, I've worked literally decades to keep the lid on this can of worms and you want me to take it off? (laughs) And so then we have the conversation that, no, there needs it doesn't need to be exploding can of worms here. This is a very gentle, um, self-reflective practice. You know, the modality I use is permission-based, which means that when we start to look it within and start to imagine that our parts are actually the things that are thinking our thoughts, that, that our, our thoughts are actually the inner dialogue of our different parts. When we open our minds to that possibility and start getting curious about these parts who think these things and push and pull us and cause us to self-protect and and be fearful. Um, when we open our minds to that possibility, it can really be a gentle and very uplifting process of self-discovery. So <clears throat> I think, you know, again, bringing awareness to what what is the blockage? What is the fear? Is it the fear of wanting to be a yoga instructor and not being able to pay the mortgage? Is it the fear of not opening the can of worms? Or the other really sad fear is um, this fear that if I look inside, my deepest fear is going to be confirmed and that deepest fear is that there's something really wrong with me. And that fear breaks my heart, right? Because um, when we mistake those kind of petty judgmental voices in our head you know we've all got those nasty petty judgmental voices when we don't understand that we're walking babushka dolls it's so easy to mistake those voices as as representative of who we really are when they're not they're not representative of who we are these are often younger less empowered more fearful more self-protective more abrasive parts of ourselves so so if anyone's listening to this and they've they've um resisted the inner work for that reason I just want to reassure reassure you're all um curious connected playful beautiful compassionate beings at our core if we can learn to get out of our own way so so that's like kind of addressing some of the challenges to starting the inner work 
Um, and it's never too late to start the inner work, right? Often, sadly, as you know, Rebecca, right, people often don't do this work until they've hit to the point of burnout, right, or having a serious, you know, slipped right down the the acute end of the mental health mm-hmm. uh, spectrum or curve here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's also heartbreaking, right, because when we're, when we're starting to notice um, that we're out of alignment with who we really are, when we're noticing our inner worlds are tumultuous and there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of push and pull, there's a lot of stress, that's that's the time to start doing the work before it gets too acute. And sometimes I say that, you know, you call me slow, but it's kind of taken me 25 years of leadership to realize a few key things. One, the first big thing I've realized in my leadership journey is that it's not enough to love what you do unless you also love who you're being while you do it. Right. For the first um, probably five or 10 years of my career, I had this little saying, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> so so nice sounding. But but to me, it's not enough to love what you do unless you love who you're being. And then the second big insight, it's really hard to love who we're being when we're not being ourselves. Yeah. And so any moment when we're showing up in ways that aren't congruent with who we really are of, you know, the parents, the partners, the bosses, the colleagues, the sisters, the mothers, the daughters, the neighbours, the community members that we want to be, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a moment to look within and think, what's going on here? You know, it just starts with curiosity. What thought am I thinking now? And what part of me might be thinking that thought? And then the next step is how might I take care of that part of me? And, and this is the, you know, the work I love to do is, is these kind of self-leadership practices that equip us, enable us, build, build the capability to take care of the different parts of ourselves. Now, for some people at first, it's like, well, it's like kind of a mind mind blown like what do you mean take care of the different parts of ourselves but that's really what what it gets down to um awareness of these protective parts within us um the jobs that they do the fears that they hold the way they can block access to our courage and our curiosity in moments that matter and learning how to lead them how to take care of them reassure them um you know i've got two sons they're eight and eleven and when I first started doing this work for myself with my own coaches and my own therapist, the thing I, I remember saying was, you know, I've always wanted a daughter and I had all these little girls inside of me just waiting for me to take care of them. And I didn't know any of them existed. Um, but it's those little girls that are fearful, that um, don't feel like they're enough, that aren't well-equipped, mm. um, are afraid. These these parts of me is what blocks access to my true leadership potential and if you could see inside my head you would see I'm constantly taking care of those parts of me so that I can embody the most vibrant most honest most truthful um most activated kind of version of of myself I think that's such great advice particularly that piece around start now because the inner work is hard and it is vulnerable. Um, and most people do find it at breaking point. You know, mm-hmm. you're kind of a last chance loon. I'm at, on the floor. I need to look at alternative ways to really start rebuilding myself. So 
you know, if we could start it here at the beginning of, or even just because we want to be able to show up fully as ourselves, authentically and congruently and love the person that we are showing up in the world as, the sooner we start it, you know, I really do believe you're, you've got those toolkits then, you know, or those tools in your kit that almost stop you and can prevent you coming to this place. But I can mm-hmm. understand why leaders in particular might not want to go there straight away because they're under increasing pressure at this moment in time. And most people, like you say, are, are holding that lid on it. And, you know, I, from when I speak to people, it's like, do I really want to unpeel the onion and then be really exposed? Because what if I can't pack it all back together again? Or, you know, what if when I unpeel that onion, other parts of my life start unraveling? Unraveling. This is a fear. Yeah. And I've coached um, now probably close to 50 leaders and that's never once happened. And I've done extensive training on this modality Like the thing with this inner work, if done carefully, if done respectfully, if done in a permission-based way, which is we start to look within and we start to have a gentle dialogue with these parts, um, it's always quite mind-blowing how ready our parts are to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just beneath the surface. You know, it just takes a few very careful prompts, an open mind and an open heart and a curiosity Um, just to start to be curious, like this thought I have, you know, what part of me thinks this thought, what job might this part of me been trying to do? What is it afraid of? Um, and how do I just start to inquire about that within myself very gently? And, you know, there's this whole layer of protect of protective parts, as I said, and beneath that layer of protective parts, we do have what I call, um, injured parts. Um, that carry the emotional injuries of our past, and these lay this layer of protective parts is like the yeah the the armed guard, so to speak, um, doing all the things that we need to do to stop the injuries of of our youngest parts from overwhelming the system. And so, the work starts with getting to know what what is this kind of. Um, this cohort of protective parts and and we all have very elaborate protective systems you know I've coached leaders who uh for example you know they're they're in a protective system is um a part that that's very quick to say okay the jig's up now that now this is the time they're going to figure out you've got no idea what you're doing so it's kind of we call it like the jigs up part so mm-hmm. the jigs up part activates and says okay this is it this is when the bubble's going to burst and then then there's these other parts that spring into action you know maybe it could be a magical thinking part that says but if i touch wood now and if i do this thing and i make a wish on 11 11 and i do this thing then maybe i'll be okay a magical thinking part and then another part will spring into action which sometimes can be like a scenario planning part but if i I think about all the things that could go wrong and I create a, a, a plan to mitigate every single risk and I'm constantly scanning for risks, you know, then maybe we'll be okay. So this is just a glimpse into like a high level um, map of a protective system of one person I've coached. And can you see how much work is involved in that? In a oh, protective geez, sounds tiring. And that's a quite a simple one, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca. Yeah. That's a quite a basic protective system. Often leaders have another two or three parts in the mix there. And yeah. so it's no wonder we're exhausted, right? 
Um, yeah. And so can you see how it's just this work of gently illuminating this map? Well, that's interesting. You do you do this and then you do that and then this part kicks in and then this part kicks in and all these like little kind of factories inside of you that are working so hard to protect or deflect or numb or to avoid mm-hmm. um, or to de-risk, you know, it's bloody exhausting. And so the work can just begin with this gentle illumination. Let's get to know your protector system because these guys are inner heroes they're freaking heroes these parts right they work so hard for so long let's just start by getting to know them and acknowledging them and appreciating them so even that work of mapping the protective system and sending appreciation to these hard-working parts that that do all the things they do to keep us safe um can be transformational just that piece before we even think about working more deeply to say hey why do these parts exist what what are the 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 injuries that they are you know um protecting here what's going on at a deeper level you know that that work we some people get to and some people don't but just knowing that okay this is my protective system these are the things i do when feels things feel hard these are the things i do when i feel overwhelmed and I haven't even included there the whole group of things that I call distractor parts, the parts that say, oh, just have that glass of wine, Cassie, or just go and buy some more crap that you don't need, or just watch mindless hours of Netflix and pretend that your troubles don't exist, or, you know, all the numbing, avoiding parts. It's a whole nother category. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can see how it's all completely impacting. And actually, once you've got awareness of all of that, how empowering and impactful it could be for a leader within you know to their team it's, it's essential yeah it's essential and so empowering because we we break free from all of that we we go from being all those parts to leading those parts to yeah. understanding them to leading them so it's basically that from going from experience of just being kind of hijacked or almost possessed by these different parts like doing things like I don't I don't know why I'm doing this but I can't stop like this like continual like possession if you like to actually being the leader to say oh welcome back social media scrolling you're right on time welcome back the wine loving part it's six o'clock it's been a hard day but you know what I'm going to pour myself a Heineken zero tonight because I want to go to the gym in the morning you know this is the conversations I have most nights (laughs) Cassie I've I love this this work and I to be honest I could talk for hours with you on it Thank you, Cassie. I've loved talking to you. Let's talk again. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how Trio can support your people, visit trio.com.